mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Robert? How are you? Today, Russell, I am feeling like Frankenstein. <laughs> what? Like the monster that is Frankenstein. And it's a kind of indirect but connected reference because when I first met today's guest, it was back in those pre pandemic days. It was literally about two months before the pandemic began. And he had emailed me as a then student at Goldsmiths and he was about to graduate and do his master's show. And he asked me to go in um, and do tutorials. And I think the teaching group there had said that the artist could actually select who they wanted to visit. And and I think it was the early days of talk art and today's guests have been listening and being very supportive. So I went in and I met a number of artists, including another guest lecturer that day who was Lindsay Mendick. And today's guest is actually the person we've realised who hooked me up with Lindsay Mendick and uh, changed my life on that level. The work when I first met today's guest was all about resuscitation and really breath and not just the breath of the artist because the artist does amazing performances and um, as well as making sculptures and installations. Back then, particularly, he was doing these performances with breath and like breathe, breathing life into the sculptures. And also the visitors were encouraged to breathe as part of the work. And I was really obsessed with that idea at the time, um, this idea of material being our own breath, you know, within our lungs and how that's somehow an art, art material. I'd never thought mm. about it that much. Mm. And at the time, it made me think a bit about Matthew Barney and um, Mariko Mori and there were numerous artists that I saw even Mike Kelly maybe they were kind of artists who created these worlds and often had very particular framing and installation methods that I felt this guest had really specifically sort of found his own language and growing up in kind of post-communist Poland that was also a really big influence on the work so right now they have a show at Queer Circle in London many years have passed and they've grown and grown and grown with rapid speed actually and really become the artist I could see they were the kind of early seeds of when I first met them they've really become the artist already in a very few years so it's been very exciting to witness that growth and um, we're very proud and excited to welcome to Talk Art Raphael Zyko. Thank you very much. Hi, Raph. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nice to, nice to hear you. Nice to see you. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad we're doing this at last. It's like full circle moment. Yeah. No. 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 It's happening, and it's. Uh, yeah. No. It's. Uh, it's. I'm glad. Glad you're remembering those those works with uh, with the breath and breathing because because I felt like they were kind of quite a quite important works for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th I think they really led to where you've gone to. Can we quickly talk about those then? Because I was really impressed at the time about the actual production level as well of the sculptures. It was very like, you know, formed through, I don't know, like, how did you make those sculptures? I mean, it was all kind of, you know, learning how to uh, do certain certain things online, you know, uh, kind of blowing the acrylics and uh, literally blowing the smoke as well in the works. But um, uh, yeah, how it came about, I was just like, because I came from a kind of performative background, I've been doing lots of performances back in the past. And uh, and when I started doing kind of sculptures and kind of things on the wall, I started finding them a little bit kind of too static. And I started missing this kind of performative element in, in them. And then basically, you know, once a Catholic, always a Catholic <laughs> and I thought <laughs> I thought this thing about you know the breathing life into something is it's kind of giving it a life and I thought what about just connecting you know my own breath to the works but how I can do it so the breath is visible so I was using 
I was using vapes, you know, I was using vapes and using the smoke that was kind of going to the circuitry of the works and coming out from the different holes and from the work. And after that, I came with the idea of using the acrylic domes that basically, you know, they were kind of maintaining the smoke while it was kind of coming out and filling up. So, uh, yeah, that's, 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 and that's when we met when I was doing those works. And, uh, and that was, as you mentioned, just before the pandemic. And also, you were one of the first artists I ever saw to mention the word vape. And I remember asking you at the time, because I'm not a smoker, and I remember vapes being part of the work and this concept of like how something that's so frowned upon, which is smoking for our health and all those reasons, had kind of been repackaged and made like science fiction-y and kind of like a different material as a vape. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, look at look at look at Landa Ray now. I mean, like, <laughs> Landa Ray is all about the vape, you know. But I think, yeah. but I but I think then then also for me it was like the work kind of was kind of made high spec by me. But for example, I still didn't couldn't work out how to use the smoke machines connecting to the work. So I thought like, okay, I'm gonna use basically a vape. So I was making those works where I was basically standing behind the wall with the vape and all the people thought there were some machines that pumping this <laughs> pumping this smoke in there. But there was me just breathing it in and kind of like sucking it out slowly. So it feels like there was some mechanics happening there, but it was just uh, <laughs> just me. That Well, that feels like it actually sums up your kind of practice is this like man and machine feel. And it's like you are a massive fan of technology when you look at your work, but yet you like to use your hands. And I love this idea that people are looking at these sculptures of yours, which are so beautifully rendered at times. They're really elegant, this sort of vacuum formed acrylic and then you're behind it. It's a bit Wizard of Oz. Do you know what I mean? You're Oz behind it. You pull the curtain back and you're there blowing all the smoke out. But in reality, you're looking at it and it's this sort of performance, this mirage of what you're being shown. And so, so to man and machine in technology, they're a huge uh, element to the practice. How, how did technology become something for you that you then were channeling into art. I think I think it's just I think it's just my upbringing. You know, I'm like kind of you know working class Polish boy. You know, like I was raised by my grandparents. You know, who basically worked in a fabric factory uh, in Poland, which the factory slowly kind of declined in the nineties. You know, but but I remember when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time after school because there was no one to look after me. And so I sat there and looked at them working those big, it was a fabric factory, so those big jacquard machines, you know, producing the fabrics oh, and wow. weaving. And and I just observed those people, you know, lines and like hundreds of those machines, like like choreography between them, people, the machines, their fingers, you know, the spools of the threads coming out. And uh, I suppose, and that was just like, you know, when you're growing up, you're seeing that. And then on Sunday, you're being pulled to the church and you're seeing this performative thing of the church, you know what I mean? Like, and then, and then the second part of the family work in the fields and you see the kind of the field machines. And also, so I kind of feel like those three things, oddly enough, the church as well is a part of this mechanism that kind of got embedded in my head, you know, like there were those kind of formative, formative things of people coming together and being in a place and kind of working, you know, so um, yeah. So you, so you would, so after school you would go, so your family worked in different factories, you had textile factories, you had like agriculture yes, because you yes. were really part of like, there's, there's, I've read that there's a big primeval forest yes, that you were, you were living <laughs> near. You close had that to. and then you had, you had the church. So you had all of these elements yeah, that yeah. Sort of, you've drawn on. Absolutely. And it's kind of, that's what I said. I'm going to say it again. Once a Catholic, always Catholic, those things just stay with you. You know, sometimes you kind of like, you look at the work and you're just like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I know where is it coming from. So how <laughs> did these... What 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 was the Catholic imagery? What why is that something that has stayed with you? I don't know. I think it's. I think it was. It's not not about the imaginary, but what you were imagining happening. You know, when you're in a church and it's saying, "This is the moment that there is a lamb of God appearing in front of you, and the bread's turning into the body." So there's this kind of like mechanical change of the liquid, which is wine that's turning into blood. You know, it's like it's like science. You know, so I think like already mm. then I was like interested in those kind of those kind of mechanisms which like now i'm using you know uh, i don't know synthetic sweat and synthetic urine in some of the works and breath you know so i think this kind of that's connection to the kind of the machines and the church is kind of existing so well, somehow this, alongside each other synthetic <laughs> urine is something i'm really <laughs> interested in because i i understand that this Urine is used for people who want to pass drug tests when they're not going to pass with their own urine. Yes, basically. So they're yeah. able to buy this synthetic urine yeah, yeah. and that actually works and can get you cleared. Yes, but what, what's what's kind of amazing about it is um, uh, specifically how this came about was when I was when I was working on my on my degree show then and I and, to, and basically I was doing the work about the wheat and how our human bodies not digesting kind of gluten and stuff. And then alongside that 
uh, I wanted to do something with with, with urine uh, in the work as a kind of digestion. Uh, but that was after I saw the Andy Warhol space paintings and I saw how the copper patina kind of appears on the kind of you know copper copper surfaces after urine's going on it. But because it was pandemic, and because also I think using your own urine in the work is a little bit kind of too carnal and too kind of like I felt it's a bit kind of naff. I was like, let's see if something like synthetic urine exists. And then I just <laughs> found this whole kind of business of those of those kind of companies producing it and. And most importantly, so I just bought a little bit of it first and I just checked if that's going to react with the copper. And it reacted in the same way as the as the real urine would re- react on the copper. Oh. So what I did for the degree show, I had those sculptures where the tops of those kind of sculptures were made from this frozen synthetic urine that was slowly melting into this kind of like a urinal-like kind of bit in the middle of the body and then dripping on copper and kind of oxidizing it. But yeah, but yeah. what is interesting about it is that the synthetic urine business is, because those companies now know that synthetic urine exists, yeah. <laughs> so they're making the tests are kind of tighter and tighter. Uh, and when they're making the tighter and tighter test, the synthetic urine is even more like human-like. So there's this really weird battle between those. Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird things happening behind the scenes, you know. Of the... <laughs> it's also really sci-fi, though. Like a bit like when I mentioned Frankenstein and that idea of like resuscitating a body or bringing a body to life from dead body parts or something. Yeah, like, yeah. In that in that kind of sci-fi story, have you always been interested in that kind of thing? Like these kind of tales? I, I think so. I think it was always kind of, always kind of there, there with me. I don't know, mythology. I mean, like really often I respond to mythology uh, titles for the works and, uh, and, and particularly, you know, I mean, like you mentioning the kind of the Frankenstein, I mean, like that was, that was also that, that show that kind of never opened. So that's, that was, that was when we met, when I kind of made that show called Resuscitation, which, which basically was kind of this this room with this kind of sarcophagus in orange kind of it was called a, a amber chamber and inside of it i had this character called hohol you know and he was kind of like my version of the frankenstein uh because yeah. that character hohol was from this polish book and he was basically he was the thing that people see in the like in the fields not the what you call the the ones in britain the ones in the field Sk- like a scarecrow yeah but in poland they're the ones which are kind of they're kind of chunkier and from afar they look like people but they're not meant to be so basically there was this character in this book that it was this kind of this kind of straw bale kind of coming alive and kind of punishing people for um not kind of dealing with the nature in the right way you know kind of doing some kind of stuff that it's kind of bad for nature anyways so it was cute. but also like folklore as well though and like mm. the maypole dancing and all that yeah. kind of thing i remember the first time i met you with karen smith at her house um who's an amazing collector in london and philanthropist um i remember you telling me about like maypole dancing and and uh, even the costumes to do with that yeah, and how yeah. folklore was also a kind of another one of these many threads that were woven into your work yeah i think i think that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of the weird one because like in the region which is so kind of like as i said so kind of catholic so kind of industrial that there is like still so much kind of like a pagan kind of yeah. beliefs kind of embedded into it so we've got like a lot of fortune tellers like like all the ladies which are like 70s and 80s which are kind of like they 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 kind of they barely walk but they still kind of do the fortune telling and the people kind of queuing for like like hours to get to them or like mm. or like healers called whisperers and the whisperers are those kind of ladies which are kind of like going to your ear and kind of with the sound of the voice they're kind of taking things out of you you know and uh, what what's that i want to know about this they take things out of you yeah like your soul right like it's a, a bit like, like little mermaid no 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 like 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 a disease and that that's no joke there's this, oh, there is this like yeah, there is this really famous one and uh, called Orla Orla Whisperer, and basically we went to kind of see that place. It was like maybe six years ago, seven years ago when I was in Poland. We went for like little kind of ride around the region, and there is a queue of the cars going for like a village outside of the village there's like hundreds of people queuing for the days and she's just basically you know getting people in she's getting children first you know like uh, but then older people later and when we arrived uh, there was this guy who kicked off because he was waiting for two days basically camping to be seen and then there was someone taken in front of him who was behind him and he started to kick and she just came out of the house everything went quiet she pointed the finger at him and she said to him like you just go <gasps> like it was just like you know it was just the, the air stood still and i'm just not telling it's just like so the things like that you know it's uh it's it, that's what i said it was a weird kind of place to be growing up with but, because, but, but what, <laughs> right, I, I can't this yeah, I can't, yeah. we can't just skit over this so yeah, this yeah. woman was what what was she actually doing and, and were people like 
re- recovering from whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. was wrong with they were, they were recovering like the migraines, the things that kind of the doctors couldn't 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 sort out. Like that's you know even my grandmother kind of when she was younger, uh, she kind of went then cured and she was kind of cured of the massive migraines that she had and no one could have helped her with. You know what I mean? Like oh. so it's a uh, yeah and uh, you know all is still alive. Is she, is yeah, she yeah, still yeah, there? yeah. And but then also there are those kind of the new ones that she's apparently calling and they're having the calling from the different regions in Poland and they're just coming and kind of learning the kind of the craft and uh, yeah. I'm obsessed with this so do you think this is all because of this primeval forest? I think so I, like... I think so but also there's like a lot of stuff like in Catholicism I know in the religion that uh, basically come it comes from a p- pagan beliefs that they were there before the Catholicism do you know what I mean like mm. so there's a lot of kind of this thing that's why it's kind of those things kind of kind of inter intertwine in an odd way you know in your um, bios, uh, it, it describes your work and it says that you're inspired by the industrial past, exploring its environmental impact in relation to working class heritage and queer identities. Mm-hmm. Let's break that down there. So for people, <laughs> yeah. for people yeah. working out the work. So the, the industrial past we, we, we've, mm-hmm. we've talked about, which is like what you were experiencing as a kid in Poland with both your families being in textiles and agriculture and the environmental impact that this has had on you and your and your sort of mm-hmm. approach to the world but also the the world at large that's 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 what i'm kind of thinking yeah yeah i mean like that's like even you know with the with the kind of the current show that you know we we we're speaking here about you know at the, at the queer circle i you know i feel like the kind of the show is a kind of a bit of a a bit of a kind of my kind of observation my kind of commentary on the kind of what's happening kind of in the world now through my personal story kind of i'm trying to kind of speak about the kind of the broader the broader kind of conversations and i i suppose even you know me thinking about the works and you know particularly the work in the middle which is this big kind of pendulum called kind of sisyphus and kind of how this kind of came about this was it was for me basically thinking about you know how how the kind of the politics keep on kind of changing and you know and how it kind of goes from the left to the right and like how you know we've been fighting for some things our rights being revoked and you know so there's this kind of mm. there's this kind of connection that's that's how i was kind of thinking about it but then kind of in my head i, I like to think that you know the progress is not linear you know and sometimes we need to go a little bit back to kind of go further or you know sometimes we're knocked back so i i know i suppose that's that's the kind of the reading kind of of that of that piece and i and also you know once it's called after sisyphus you know and the sisyphus was that was the guy who was push, pushing this big rock on a mountain and the moment he was reaching the top the rock was rolling back down it was his kind of like eternal punishment so i almost feel like you know all our fights that we're doing they can be taken back or we almost feel like we need to start and do it again do you know what i mean like so it's a and that's what i think you know about i know you know i mean like i mean like the, you know the, the queer rights is a one thing but you know but the woman rights in poland you know i mean like that's what's kind of it's even you know, getting getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, even in terms of the kind of the election at the moment in Poland, you know, there is like the media portrays that there is no support towards the kind of the, the left wing anymore, you know what I mean? Like, which actually there was like a million people on the streets and they just show in the video there is no one there, you know, and it's 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 really becoming kind of, kind of bonkers. Well, it's a global thing, isn't it? This move towards mm. the far right. I think even Russ was protesting on the weekend in London, mm. you know, against our government too. It's mm. just... It's really hideous. I like that idea, though, of the pendulum. And because I always thought about it in a really literal sense as part of a clock. And I was wondering whether it was to do with time, because I feel like so much of your work is to do with time. But it's interesting that it's to do with political shifts. But but that's, but it's also that's kind of when you kind of start working on, on, on the show and on the things. I mean, like, you, you know, you starting from the one point, but then you kind of loads of different kind of points appearing across across the time you know and it's uh, you know i mean like i started i started producing it kind of thinking kind of on the back burner you know kind of to respond to that kind of factory of my grandparents you know and you know mm. remembering that line that goes across the show which was basically you know they used those this kind of this kind of particular paint which is on a certain level that basically the workers who mostly got the greasy hands you know all their hand marks can be really easily wiped out you know what i mean like and i thought about it in the connection of like i don't know our marks being wiped out the borders I, you know there's all of those kind of things that you kind of keep on thinking you know and uh, and also use of that color this green it's like you know think about it it's like that that particular green was used in the factories because it soothes people it kind of calms people down so there's this kind of use of the kind of the, the kind of weaponizing the architecture to make people calm down but also kind of in our ancestral kind of mind the green line you think about the fields so there's like it not only the color suits you down, but also kind of makes you think you're outside 
somewhere back in your kind of subconscious, you know. So it's like all yeah. of those kind of mechanisms, I suppose. Um, uh, yeah. We was on. Um, we were visiting a cruise ship recently, me and Rob, and we went into the captain's quarters where all the you know the machinery is to actually drive the cruise ship and that's all painted that green as well and that's to keep everyone calm and it keeps you awake apparently and also in hospital wards yeah. they have that yeah as it's well meant to be something. for alertness and clarity of yeah, like yeah. thinking apparently it's the one color that will keep you consistently clear it's like a mossy green isn't it but but, really but i think you know i mean like i mean like well, we're going to speak about the color later but i mean like uh the thing the thing about this particular color also is i mean like that's what it makes me think also it makes me think about the nurses outfits makes me think about the so it makes yeah. so it makes me think about the health but also historically, which I kind of, that's why I kind of liked it. And I used that kind of shades of that color before, even in that resuscitation show was also, was also used in Victorian times to uh, by that, you know, the fashionistas to, um, they were using arsenic to get that color on the dresses. So basically when the ladies were wearing a, the dresses in that color, which was really fashionable, they were getting ill and kind of, they were getting kind of basically poisoned by it. So that's like a kind of first kind of, you know, uh, British kind of fashion victims kind of situation. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> but really fashion victims, how, how long were they wearing, how long did this last before people correlated <laughs> I think, that actually I think, I think, the clothes I mean, they were wearing were poisoning I, I, them? I think there are, there's, there is, I think, I think the kind of the reports are saying that people knew that it's bad for them, but because it was fashionable, so they were kind oh. of still kind of uh, wanted oh to do my it. God. But, um, uh, yeah, but anyways, that's a little little trivia that <laughs> yeah. I think I, what I'm drawn to in your work as well is this feeling of nostalgia yet very kind of forward thinking mm. it reminds me of the Jetsons the mm. way that people in the <laughs> 60s would have assumed the future would look like mm. you know and they, mm. <laughs> when they were making that cartoon mm. and then then there's this sort of 60s Italian sort mm. of like yeah, yeah, vibe yeah. and 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 the the palette you use is quite um sickly at times mm. i mean it, it it's it's like bright but mm. it has this sort of um anxiety to it yeah, to, yeah. to the color palette and and mm. and how you bring all these elements together has always been so fascinating to me because these things are unlike anything else we really mm. see mm. They, they they but yet they have this nostalgic mm. You feel like you recognize them. But yeah, yet there's a familiarity, isn't but there? But yet they're yeah. so new. Alien. And alien. Alien. Yeah, yeah, they feel like they're alien. That's a sci fi thing, I guess, yeah. in some ways. Well, I suppose, but I mean, like, I think, I think, as I said, I think because kind of my upbringing was a little bit different to, like, I know my kind of contemporaries here, you know, and it's like, saying about the culture arriving a little bit later in a bit of a different kind of way, but also not having, I don't know, access to, you know, technology like computers and things like that, because we could never afford it. You know, I got myself a first computer after I moved to UK. I had my first job and I earned my first money and I got my computer. And the first thing which I did was, you know, downloading, downloading the games that, um, that my friends used to have on the computer when I was a child, so I could play. Oh. So I could play them for myself. I don't want to kind of give some cheesy stories, but but as I said, like this connection to technology, kind of, I kind of got it a little bit kind of later. It must I, have felt amazing though. Then if you oh, yeah, you, no, you no. sort of manifested that, you watched your friends play these games, you yeah, didn't yeah. have access to them yourself, and then as soon as you got the computer, you're able to go Absolutely. back. Absolutely, I can go back and oh. just and I can just do it at my own time and my own time. I'll be kicked out by somebody's mum saying, "Okay, can he just go home now?" You know, <laughs> for too long. What were the so, what were the games? I don't know. I mean, like I mean, like you know, probably my my favorite one was like Tomb Raider. I mean like come on you know it's just like it just it's just you know it's kind of pretty camping fun but anyways uh yeah and i suppose you know coming back to as you said this kind of things about the colors and the kind of the things being kind of sickly and kind of nostalgic i think also it comes to you know we haven't had our first color tv until we were like 11 or something you know when i was 11 and i just remember when the first color tv arrived and it had this logo on the side called biaset and it had this like red green and blue kind of uh colored circles you know what i mean like and then the, the you know the name the name of the, the name of the company and i just remember i just put my head really close to the tv i was like how is red green and blue create the white light you know so i was just putting my head very really close putting my eyes to that and then you know just seeing those little little nobules of the light creating the white light and i think this kind of like uh, red green and blue kind of thing this trinity of colors i kind of i often you know use that i'm using in my in my work it's like my little kind of uh you know not to not to that i suppose <laughs> which then also that kind of oddly you know connects to as you as you kind of notice you know some sort of in my research you know like the italian kind of like uh, uh aesthetic as well so it's not only kind of like polish post soviet but also i think there is lots of kind of different kind of pockets like from a different kind of uh i don't know you know you can, see, you can see cultures, I mean, like from a different kind of areas, which I think I'm kind of trying to merge in the work, you know. 
But I think that plays out with the materials you choose as well, because if you look at the work, there's there's so much involved. There's ceramics, there's ventilation kind of systems, prosthetics. As I said, there's like these vacuum form bits, there's piping, there's wires, there's, as you said, smoke. At one point you used ice in something. I mean, the fact is that you 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 bring so many different materials in together. And, and also you've said that you celebrate acquiring new skill sets and like every time you kind of create a body of work, it's like you then acquire a whole new skill set of how to bring and 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 put these things together. It's brilliant. What, what is it's the so latest? True. What's the latest skill set you've like acquired through your? I practice? always think of you, Raphael, as being like someone in a workshop. Mm. Like I can kind of imagine you there, like tinkering away. Around. Yeah, exactly. In your own shed, at the bottom <laughs> of the garden. <laughs> like, where, and also, Russell, you forgot to mention synthetic sweat as well. Oh yes, I, I always urine. forget to mention that. And also, you do. <laughs> I've never even heard of. <laughs> yeah. I want to chat about that one too. Yeah. And also, uh, melted candles, uh, like church candles. Yeah, I mean, like that's. Uh, I feel like you know. I feel like in this, in this, you know, in this clocking off kind of show, as I said, you know, I mean, like from from the title of it, you know, which is kind of coming out from this idea of clocking out. You work in a factory, clocking out at the end, you're leaving. So there's this kind of idea of the surveillance and kind of your kind of your time somewhere is being measured you know so it's like mm. where i kind of feel like our times now being measured all the time i feel like we're on the clock all the time we're aware of the things that are kind of happening around us and stuff so where where the melted church candle came around together with the with the, with the synthetic sweat is that basically you know the figure and the figures that you see in the show they kind of got this kind of slightly kind of reminiscent of the kind of beehive or a bobbin you know and there's this connection of like of the what what human body excrete which is the sweat and then the production of the bees which is the which is the wax but then the connection to the church through the melted church candles that i managed to acquire from the uh set swap cycle someone was getting rid of literally bags and bags and bags of like uh, church candles and i was like yes please and you know and i'm kind of <laughs> using it a lot in the work now and it's uh yeah so it's sustainable as well all your practice, oh i mean yeah. i'm like i mean like, i'm trying as much as i can you know it's uh it's it's you know i I mean, like you're you're aware of those things. Well, let's go back to the queer circle show then, because mm-hmm. this, this is a show clocking off that we we, we can go into that. Yeah. More. So the queer circle is 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 a free space. Uh, it's mm-hmm. an LGBT led charity. It works at an intersection of mm-hmm. arts, health, and social action, and it champions LGBTQI plus mm-hmm. artists. I myself am uh, on the board of trustees, mm-hmm. so I know it very very well. Mm-hmm. And your show there called Clocking Off has just mm-hmm. opened, and it's as you said, it's like an imagined abstracted uh, factory floor with this soft mm-hmm. green moss uh, there and. And this metronome that is called Sisyphus. This show is amazing, and th- th- this this th- this huge kinetic pendulum that you have in the middle of the space is so um, enthralling and uh, terrifying at the same time. <laughs> and and what what how did this show come about, and how has it been received? Yeah, I mean, like Ashley. Ashley was one of the people who actually visited my visit my degree show, and uh, this is Ashley who runs the space. Yeah, Ash, yeah. Ashley joined her, you know, and then uh, we haven't really been. We didn't knew each other then, but then kind of he told me like later that he thought when he's gonna get a physical space, he was thinking that I, will, I was the one of the first artists he would like to kind of work with, and uh, you know, and it's been, it's been, it's been an absolute joy, and I think, mm. I think you know, before I'm you know, I mean, like, we can speak about the work, but. I think for me, what was it was exciting because you know it took me it took me quite a while to install the show, and there was this one Sunday I was there installing, you know, doing bits, painting, checking if everything is done, you know, to the millimeter, being kind of quite precise, and but also that was the day when there was a kind of uh, the workshop of the kind of the queer youth, and you know. They were the kind of the, the people coming around, which were kind of age, I think, sixteen to twenty or something like that, and I was the only person downstairs. So I was kind of like during the doors for them when they were come, coming around and just to kind of to see there was I think there was like 30 or 40 of them that day and just to see all this kind of like you know the, the new generation all this like young people having the space and having the community that early in their life you know yeah. and just to have the support I mean that's something that's you know that you could not have imagined I mean I, I definitely wouldn't imagine that you know myself kind of thinking I was the only kind of well I mean like you knew a few other people but like you know people that you just didn't have that you know when you're growing up when you were that age you know and that's just gonna you know help them with the kind of growth and anyways it's 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 been i was kind of getting emotional there i was just like oh my god mm-hmm. i just want to hang all of them you know just like so excited you know just to see that that it exists so it's just just nice to kind of you know be given a, a space to to show you know my work kind of alongside such a such a great kind of programming and uh, you know any other things you know so oh, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah yeah no, so what, what was it like being growing up gay in, in bialystok in in poland then well i mean like it was you know i mean like you know you you knew about the other kind of uh 
gay people I know from a gossip, you know, that someone might be. And that all, they, of, uh, all of them might have told you. Yeah, or, 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 someone, or someone kind of told you and stuff, but then kind of you weren't really kind of sticking with them because if you had two gay people friends, they know that, do you know what I mean? Like you almost kind of give, it's, it's been really, you know, it's been quite mm. a tough kind of uh, situation. But also in the same time, I don't know, it's kind of, um, I still managed to find my people, you know, I still managed to kind of find a way kind of around it. And even though it was kind of like quite secretive, I kind of feel like it's it makes you appreciate things more now, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, I mean, like, would I change anything about my upbringing? I don't think so, you know, I think it's, I mean, like, it's, it's created, it made me the person I am. So I think for that reason, I think it's, uh, I still find it a valuable kind of experience, you know. Just to was make... there an art community that you found, or what, you was know, there museums my, or galleries? No, no, no. no. So, so my my community was uh, was a a nightclub called Metro, and that was the that was like one of like one of the most kind of like famous clubs for electronic music in Poland in my odd little city. But because they had such a good lineup of the DJs coming from all over the world, you know, what I mean, like I was going there since I was fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> and I had like a, I had like a, I was like a kind of a platinum member when I was sixteen. When I was eighteen, when I realized I was going there for the last four years and I was illegal, they just gave me a ban for a month because they thought I was much older than I was. <laughs> I was going there all my life, so that was my community, you know. Because you had people coming from kind of, even though I was from this quite a small kind of city town, you know, you had people coming from all over the world, you know, different DJs, like different kind of culture, you know. So that was this, that was my kind of the window to the West, and I could see and hear from their stories what is out there, you know, and. And I think, you know, I kind of knew I'm not going to, I knew I'm not going to stay in Poland. You know, I knew like the moment I, I finish and I've got, you know, the right qualifications, I knew I'm going to go abroad and I'm going to try to, you know, uh, find the education there, you know, and kind of try to progress on the, on the path. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com <laughs> what, what do your family think of you now living in London as a as an artist and making a living and thriving? Yeah, I mean, like, kind of my, my family kind of, you know, really kind of crumbled after, you know, my grandmother and grandfather passed away, you know? So, I mean, like, all, always the elders are the gel of the kind of the family. But, mm. but you know, but my granny was the, you know, she was the the biggest champion, you know? Like, when I was moving to UK, I mean, like, you know, she, she took the loan from the bank <laughs> so I can move here. I can't believe, oh. honestly, when I think about it now, I actually, I moved to, I moved to London with 500 quid. <laughs> You were I, 19, right? I was 19. I moved to London. Wow. With, I moved to London with 500 quid. I managed to find a job in two days as a cocktail bartender. Never worked as a bartender before. <laughs> like it's hilarious. But basically, but what I did was literally the first thing you know before I bought a computer, I gave back the money to my grandmother, and I said like, oh. you know, and that was that was the, the first thing because I want to see like, listen, I'm my kind of way of saying I'm doing I'm doing okay, you know, like you can trust me, I'm doing okay. So she's not around with us for like seven years now, but I think she she's seen that the things were happening and, you know, she didn't understood necessarily a lot of things, you know, but she was creative about, even though she was working in a fabric factory, she was, she was making clothes, you know? So, uh, so I think what I did was, that's why I started using some costumes that I made myself for my performances because I had something to kind of bond 
over with hay, you know, and you know, so I think that was that was my kind of you know connection. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure um, she was very proud of you, think, and um, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a nice thing to be able to like give back to the people mm. that have given to you, especially when it's your family. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, definitely. So leaving your mark is also something I think about a lot with your work because obviously when we're all long gone uh what is left is our culture is the art is the you know the films the music mm. that's, the, the that's made in our behind. time yeah, yeah. and I, I think russ and i both really love that idea mm. um it's been something that i've i think since mm. i was 13 has been a real driving force for me and there's a project you did which you mentioned earlier which was um partly uh in collaboration with the henry moore foundation mm. i think they supported it and it was at, with the wising art center mm-hmm which was with a St. Peter's school in Huntingdon. Mm -hmm. And it was called We Were Here, which I thought was such a beautiful title. Mm -hmm. But there was something about that project of you working with these kids to develop a work. They even chose you, didn't they? The the, the kids actually chose you as the artist they wanted to collaborate with. Yeah. Yeah. So can you talk about that that project? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like, so they, they, they kind of selected me based on just, you know, the look of the work, basically. So they, they, they had a few artists and they just decided they want to work with me, which is kind of like, I mean, that's already, I'm like, that just, I've, I've been, my heart was just like, was like singing. <laughs> and I, mm. but I never, I never kind of work with that kind of age group, you know? So um, uh, I've been so stressed before, <laughs> for the first session. I literally couldn't sleep for two nights. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to swear. I'm going to say something, you know, <laughs> I'm going to use some wrong word or something. <laughs> and, and it was, it was, the first session was so life-changing. I can't even tell you. So I've been doing this presentation on the work, yeah? Which, I simplified it later. I was trying to make it simplified, but I still realized I got to simplify it later. And there was these two boys in the corner and they were like, not having it. You know, they were just like really loud, really kind of like, I was just like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. You know, I'm going to be in trouble. I, I, I finished I finished the presentation and then one of them was like, sir, sir, are you Polish? And I was like, oh my God, now I'm being picked up and being Polish from this, from this student. And then, and then, and then I said to him like, uh, yes, I am. And he was like, me too. And I was like, Gotcha. Came to something came into me. I came to him and I said to him into his ear in Polish. I was like, "Listen, you're my brother. <laughs> this is the first time I'm doing that. I'm really, really stressed. You need to help me out, you know." And he just kind of all of a sudden got really proud. He calmed everybody down. Like the stuff uh-huh. that the stuff that he did that day was so amazing because we were doing this kind of like capsules that we want to you know keep the things for the future. And he drew this lovely tree of the connection. And in the middle of it, he put like more personal kind of human contact or something. And I was like, "Are you?" is this is, is someone's like making a joke now is this is actually really happening you know what i mean like i mean like it, i had a few of those kind of moments of the different workshops with with those students that i mean like you know how old was he how old was so he? they are they year seven so they were uh 11 12 year old you know and wow. uh but how the amazing idea of time you, capsules how amazing oh. of you though to know to like have that sort of approach with him to have that real adult connection to go listen i need help mate and him going okay yeah i'm gonna man up for you i'm gonna like support you but, so. but i think i think what was i think for me what was the key that i was i feel like i was naturally drawn to those to those students were a little bit more difficult you know i just kind of felt like i had to kind of more of a kind of language with them you know mm-hmm. and it's i mean like also they were, they were like who is this weird man with a mallet coming around you know what i mean like okay <laughs> because you know because 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 at the beginning of it at the end of it what's supposed to happen we're supposed to do some sort of performance with the students but then i saw all this kind of crevices in the school that there were like those empty kind of like spaces where the fire extinguishers used to be and i just felt architecture they were so beautiful and i was like okay that could actually have some sort some of the work there maybe i can do something with the students that's when i spoke with rosie rosie cooper who's the director of wising said listen can we just you know try to squeeze some some money from somewhere and we can maybe produce some physical work that can stay in a school and kind of can can come out of those kind of workshops and that's how kind of it all kind of started kind of snowballing and then in the end you know i did my first uh first kind of like permanent work that's actually outside of the school and four smaller works that are in a school which are kind of like in a direct kind of collaboration with the students and uh yeah and that and that all came out of this time capsule idea as well no, it, is that what because the title yeah, is we were here we were here yes yeah. so i kind of i think it was it was a, it was kind of way of thinking of like what what kind of what do you leave behind what would you like to leave behind so i was also kind of asking them to kind of imagine what sort of technology we can have in the future you know what sort of kind mm-hmm. of machines can be doing stuff and that's like that's another really good history good good story there was this another another boy who basically this lady came to the class and she said like oh why he's like she never seen him so calm. Like he's normally like a head raiser. I was like, okay, well, let's just give him more attention. You know, let's just go and see what he's thinking. And so I said to him, okay, so what's your invention? What, what are you inventing here? And he said, he's, he's inventing a machine that's going to clone meat, uh, so clone steaks, so uh, vegans can eat meat again, so they're not going to have a problem with that. And I was like, 
come on, like you're onto something. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if you give somebody kind of, I don't know, more attention, you can really kind of get amazing things out of, out of, out of those, you know, young brains, young people, you know. And as I said, I never done it before, and I was kind of like, you know, I've been in the arts for years, and. I mean, like, it just gave me so much myself as an artist to be around that. And I feel like I just grew so okay. much, learned how to operate in a different way, learned how to speak about the art from less pompous kind of position. Yes. And about, you know, there's no kind of like, uh, you know, bullshit, I don't know if you can say it on the podcast with them. Because, bullshit, yeah. because, because, you know, if they don't like something, they just look through. They just like, they just don't care, you know? And it's I like, love the way that you, you gravitated towards the rebels as well. I, you, you were like solidarity yeah. with the rebel kids. I think I was, I think, cool. I think I was a bit of a rebel, you know? I mean, like, even though I was, even though I was, a, you know, I was, I was a gay kid, but also I was a bit of a, you know, I was a smart, but I was naughty as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so, the same as me, really. And, and, when yeah. we first met, you you actually you you met Rob in a more academic front. The fact that he was critiquing your MA at, at Goldsmiths, but thank you, thank you, thank you, click so click click. But for me, you, we met at my fortieth when I was very drunk and very out of it because mm. suddenly I walked into a, a room and there was a big surprise and there was like a hundred people who I knew and it, I, I nearly had a panic attack. But you brought me um, a gift of uh, a chewing gum uh, mm. pin brooch. Mm. And chewing gum has been a big, again, a big element of your practice. And I'd love to hear stories about how you weave that in with these kids mm. and how yeah, you yeah. celebrated, like, you know, when you find chewing gum under mm. desks and yeah, stuff, yeah. And it's kind of gross, but you've celebrated mm. that. Well, I think it's kind of, you know, I mean, like it's, it's kind of few few level stories so let's just kind of start from the beginning you know the, the use of the chewing gum kind of happened when when i i don't know maybe 10 12 years ago when i when i saw the you know the re remaining bits of the berlin wall in in berlin and they're all covered in the chewing gums but and i was just like what is it why is it there and like, for some reason all the people who are coming from all over the world they're living the chewing gum on the remaining bits of the berlin wall like it's thousands of the chewing gums and then you know i was like how interesting is that there are those people living their marks are they kind of like they're kind of trying to push on that kind of old regime and kind of like shit on it. This is being, being disrespectful yeah. to it. But then also, you know, the chewing gum maintains, you know, contains people's DNA. So you've got this Berlin Wall's pieces with these thousands of people chewing gums with the DNA samples from all over. It's just so bizarre, you know? So uh, so the first time I kind of, I work on the chewing gum, I work, in, I work on a show in my city called We Were Here. That's where this title comes from. It's like a continuation of that. And I've built this kind of big kind of uh, column in the middle of the space, which was built from the um, bricks on the floor, like... Um, Tile? Oh. You know, outside, uh, like a... Cobble, breeze blocks, cobbles. Cobbles. Like, not, yeah, like, you know, the ones that you walk on, like on the, on the streets, you know what I mean? Like, so paving big, slabs. Pa paving slabs, but the kind of, like, like but in a kind of shape. Shape paving slabs. Shape paving slabs. Anyway, so I right. built this kind of uh, <laughs> I built this kind of like a monument in the middle around the column where it basically looked like a paving slab. And I mm. gave all the visitors of the show the chewing gum. So they could just leave their mark, you know what I mean? Like on that paving slab, like a monument in the middle. And uh so yes, I kind of I, I worked on this chewing gum idea for a while. And uh and then so the one that you've got is yeah, one of my chewing gums that I cast. It's a cast of the chewing gum. And I but what I did in the school was yeah, during the one of the one of the workshops uh, <laughs> honestly absolutely sorry I just need to kind of do the shout, shout out here to a uh, Dawn Glover that was the teacher who kind of started everything at school and she was the most amazing woman I just I just I just love her and then I said to her okay so listen so can we just like ask <laughs> ask students to chew the gum and we're going to kind of cast it and we're going to put it inside of those kind of sculptures in those crevices in the school and she was like yeah absolutely we can we can find a way so we you know it was also kind of like quite legal thing we need to contact the parents I had to research the chewing gums that there is nothing <laughs> allergic related in any sort of way you know what I mean and then and it was like absolutely bonkers class you know because you thought everyone's gonna love it but some of the people were that's disgusting I'm not doing it you know what I mean like, so there was this kind of really kind of quite a polarized kind of thing but we still kind of did it and uh, yeah and one of the slabs with the chewing gums is now embedded in one of the works that's actually in the in the school as a permanent work. Um, yeah. Well, who, who were the ones, uh, if, if you're talking about gender, this was a mixed gender class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So would you, you know, were the boys up for it and the girls not? Could it be as binary as that? Or? Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, like you would, you would imagine, no, I think some of the boys were just, mm -mm. no. Really? <laughs> no, no. So it's, it's, been, it's been actually, it's been, it's been actually, I don't know. I feel, I don't know. I feel like I feel like with this kind of, you know, I mean, like I've seen the kind of, the, you know, this, you know, and the work with this kind of younger generation, I think the things really, changing i don't know i think i think perhaps because 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 younger kids got the kind of access to culture also a little bit earlier and they see the kind of the different things that are possible to exist within i think it's you know some so some kids are clicking on the 
quite early, you know, that you can you can you can kind of operate in a different ways, you know. Within this practice, there's something as well within these works I've seen um, is your love of pebbling, which mm-hmm. is something that I uh, have discovered you love and oh. I love. Okay. Uh, can you talk? Do you still go no. pebbling? I'm just, I'm just so happy you're saying that because I was kind of thinking how I'm going to be able uh, to mention someone who I love the most in the world in here, except my partner, Jonathan Bulldog, but it's his mum, who's like my mum in here in, in, in Britain, Aww. you know, Irene Winter. Hi, I love you so much. And basically, so yes, yeah, so that's my, basically, we often go on those kind of little short breaks with John's mum and Irene. And then, uh, yeah, we just go pebbling. We're looking for, the, for those stones with the holes in. You know, they've got this the wrong. You go to Dungeness, right? We like go to Dungeness, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just like there is something about I don't know. I'm a workaholic, you know. I just I think that's from the kind of generation of the workers, you know. I feel like I feel bad when I don't work, so I feel like <laughs> even when I relax, I feel like I need to do something that remain <laughs> reminiscent some sort of labor. So for Same. me, to, for me to spend the day, you know, for six, seven hours, you know, just on the beach looking for those pebbles, select, let's say. 30 and then you're making this kind of decision at the end of the day which one is the one that you keep the rest is oh, going you only keep one yeah yeah from the oh. day so there's this kind of quite a you, you, you know this kind of but it also works for your kind of visual kind of um, for your for your understanding of the visual you, and so some things that are not variable why are you making that decision why are you being drawn to something perhaps that kind of more kind of magical and some sort of kind of like well, they've got lovely names haven't they like there's the adder stone or there's the mermaid's tears which is when you find like sea yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Or, or sea pottery so yeah, e- yeah. each of you would f- select one out of the three of you you jonathan and his mum oh no they 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 selecting they they collecting ones for me actually because i'm the one who's obsessed actually so so the irene uh she's like you know she's she's the one who's always coming in do you like this one i was like i like it i like it i like it's actually in the end i'm actually you know i've got more than more than i can handle you know so it's uh yeah but it's 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 a really lovely lovely activity to do i want to do it it just i just (laughs) the idea of it sounds amazing I know a family who who um, live near a beach, and they have that as like a family tradition that's gone on for like mm. different generations, where they all pick a certain type of shell mm. when they're walking on the beach, mm. and it becomes a thing that they teach the young grandchildren and everything, mm. and it becomes this kind of beautiful thing about appreciating nature. Mm. Well, Hannah Lee you know does I mean? it as like, well, doesn't she? Mm. With with her family, Jet Lavender, and they find mm. bits of like mm. oh, yeah, plastic Hannah that's Lee's. been washed up yeah. and stuff on the beach, and then that incorporates into the art. So again, it's it sort of yeah. sustainable mm. sort of yeah. energy that goes into it but oh, these so things that have existed and then you you give them new life mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and new narratives mm-hmm. and actually Raphael you were talking about your partner Jonathan Bulldog mm-hmm. who's also a previous talk art mm-hmm. guest and I also know you as a duo because mm-hmm. you've even stayed in my house mm-hmm. when we had that crazy party <laughs> but um, what is it like being being partnered with another artist is that is that something that brings you joy oh my God, absolutely. I mean absolutely I mean like you know if it wouldn't be for John I probably wouldn't be in the art education because I met him and I didn't even knew where to start and then I said you know I'm doing those little drawings I'm doing those little things and you know he helped me to you know to do my you know application to uh, uh, Central St. Martins then for foundational and everything kind of started then so you know so I've been around his work uh, all my all my kind of you know adult life really and it's just and I and I think it's I mean like it's amazing because I feel like you know I'm going to his studio and each time I'm just being like how <laughs> how he can kind of produce, <laughs> how he can come up with something new, something like that, you know? And it's just like, and it's just like this absolutely kind of beautiful kind of visual language, attention to detail. It's just like, you know, it's, 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 I think we really, there's, the, you know, there's so many you kind of. You both share that attention to detail. Though, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's, I think, I think we, but I mean, like, but that's, but that's the thing. I think, I think that's kind of the, I think that's the kind of the working classness thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't matter from which country, you know, you, you carry that thing and, you know, you work hard and we know. And as I said, we were just saying, like, why we're not like one of those people who just, you know, you know, can relax and have a day off and don't feel guilty. I feel guilty when taking a day off. John's the same. I mean, like, that's the thing. Yeah. It feels someone's gonna feels like someone's gonna take it away from you. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just like, mm. yeah. But saying about the John, I mean, like, you know, he also can be really harsh, you know, about about the work, and you know, and that hurts the most. But it's also the best thing that you can get, you know. So it's just like, you know, you don't want to have someone kind of sugarcoating stuff for you, you know. It's Honest just like, critique, oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. Bring it on, you know. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of always, you know, I've got so much respect to his practice, you know. So sometimes I'm kind of. I'm kind of scared to say that, you know, John, actually, maybe, you know, but I think also, I think, I don't know, when I think we're looking at each other like an equals, you know what I mean? Like, and we're both doing kind of things, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, I think it's really kind of lovely now to see that John does take the, 
take advice or take something from it that I feel I feel like really privileged when that those moments happen that you know I could have helped with something or suggested something and uh, you know it's uh, it's 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 magical you know <laughs> so, yeah. yeah well I can see there's a real discourse between both your practices there knowing that your partners and then looking at the works you can see just just the, like the color palette for example mm. there's definitely a real sort of um connection that you two mm. have even mm. though your work is very different mm. uh the, the sculptural element mm. is very fundamental mm. to both your practices mm. Definitely. Which yeah, is yeah. beautiful. And, yeah. you know, and obviously sounds like there's a lot of love in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, before we get into final questions, I want to talk about another artist, which is an artist which I'm recently sort of really delving deep into is Lee Bontecu, who, who, do you know her work? I mean, why did you say that? Because that's my, that's my heist. <laughs> Oh, is it? Okay, well, I've, 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 I've leaped ahead. Well, yeah. I, well, okay, we can talk about the heist, but this is an artist I know a bit about, and then I had dinner with uh, Annie, who runs the Hammer Museum, and she was telling me this incredible story about Lee Bontecu, who was an artist she loved, and then she just disappeared. She just went off-grid for many, many, many years, but kept making work, and she sort of then rediscovered her years later, and Lee Bontecu said, oh, I'm still making practice, like work, and then opened up these warehouses full of all of this incredible all these abstract machine-like forms that she makes. And, I, and she's telling me a story, and I was like, I need to know all about this woman. The work is incredible. Mm. Can, you, can you tell us a bit about this, mm. this woman's art? I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I've, honestly, I've been, I've been such, a big, such, a, such a big fan. I mean, like, you know, the, her story was, you know, she started in the 60s. She was like, the only woman in the kind of the crowds of the boys, you know. She was like with this big, big gallery of the Lee Castello, Lee Castelli, you know. She was one of, you know, the ones, you know, with Saul Lewis, with all of those, like she was there and her work was being kind of treated on the kind of, almost on the same level. But then the thing started happening that people kind of started kind of, uh, the, the critics started going for her work because she does those big voids in her work with the kind of, with the teeth and stuff. And people started saying that it's kind of... It's very space-like. Very space-like. But, but people started saying that it's kind of started reminiscing some sort of female body and stuff. And she just... Right she was just not having it and she was just kind of had had enough of her work being flattened to her being a female, you know, and, and she was just like, you know, I'm going, bye, you know, and then she was living in a farm producing all this amazing, amazing work, you know. And but not for anyone, just for herself. Just for she herself. Like, yeah, 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 just just for herself. But it's just, you know, there's just so many old materials she used. She kind of was painting with soot, you know, and because she discovered when she was welding that if you're going to remove the kind of the oxygen, it produces the black soot. So she was using this on a, it's just gorgeous. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I never seen, I never seen her work until I was in Guggenheim. And it was like a pilgrimage. I was just like, you know, it's just, you know, it's just one of those artists that like, why we never had any of her work yeah, in like in UK. You know, there's one piece in, in in Stockholm in the museum. And I think there's something in, uh, there's something I think in Netherlands, like one piece somewhere. But I mean, like bring on the retrospective or something because that, that kind of artist, I mean, like, come on. Like, was it a survey yeah. show at the Guggenheim? Well, or was it no, no, just... it was just one piece. I've never seen wow. more, more than that, you know, but I'm like, you know, the show of the artist like that, could really kind of like inspire the next generation. Do you know what I mean? Like you just, you know, yes. when you kind of got those kind of Tate shows that like, boof, just make a kind of wave. And I feel, and I feel like that yeah. could be hint, hint, Tate. Uh, yeah. Is, is, it, is it a bit like Clifford Still where like a lot of the work was just kept? So is it is no, it like I mean, by her no, estate? No, no, because no. she died in two thousand and twenty-two. No, she, she only just died last last year. So mm. it's a. I think I think she kind of started having retrospectives and stuff like that in the last kind of five, kind of six years. You know, so it's yeah, just yeah. like yeah, but it's like one of those kind of artists. I mean, like like you know, like Titian Sue. You know, like also he wasn't around for a while and now kind of resurfaced. So that, you know, they're having who, the, who? the Titian Sue. And he's one of other oh. ones that I really like. Um, uh, so he was making work like in kind of like in eighties, and then kind of disappeared, but now kind of resurfacing. And there's oh, there's few of those kind of artists who are kind of the seniors who are kind of you know kind of had that moment at the later stage and got kind of discovered. And I, uh, yeah. So as you know, we ask every guest if they could do an imaginary art heist. What artwork would you take? <laughs> Obviously, you said it's the artist you've just been Lee talking about. Yeah. But can you tell us which work? I know, but that's the thing. I can tell you. I can't tell you which work because they're all called untitled. <laughs> So <laughs> I can I can kind of I can kind of describe you describe you one. And I think I think what I would go for. Uh, I think she did this. She did this kind of like different um, different uh, uh, which would line different different body of work where she was making those vacuum formed flowers. And I kind of felt like my partner was doing lots of work around the flowers recently. So I thought I would just get Lee Bontecu 
big. They were like two and a half meters huge, made out of kind of early plastic vacuum forming sixties. I mean, like absolute heaven. Oh yeah, that's yeah. So cool. I think I think none of them survived really. But like, I mean, I think that's the reason because they just don't, I think, exist. And I would like to see how they actually would look, look in in flesh. That's a great photo though. So untitled flower sculpture, nineteen sixty eight vacuum. Yeah. Form. So they're, they're we'll um, post that on the feed. Yeah, they're, they're that's beautiful. I've never seen absolutely that. Absolutely gorgeous. And that's her lot. work, Rob. Her work is just yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I've recently I've seen, rediscovered. I've seen some of the work, but I've never seen mm. the flowers. Like I've recently discovered Susan Rothenberg, who's an artist I'm completely yeah, obsessed now, yeah. and then Lee Bontecue. There's all these incredible artists that, you know, this mm. that's the whole reason why we keep doing talk art, because mm. it just unravels. You just open a little door and you go, I mean, oh like, my God, what's through here? And if you tap into it, it's just, it's just, you know, never it's just, ending. It's just never ending, you know? And it's like, never We've ending. loved opening the little door into <laughs> Raphael's oh, mind. We love it. Um, you. What's your favourite colour? Well, but that's the thing. I was kind of thinking, thinking, thinking. I think it's going to be... It's going to be copper patina. It's going to be. It's oh, going wow. to be. It's going to with, be the, with you, synthetic urine. I think. I think. I think it's going to be copper patina because copper patina kind of has a bit of kind of rust in it, but also has a bit of turquoise. So I've got this kind of like you know, uh, mechanical decline and something kind of nature-like in it. And I think I quite like that. You know, the mixture of the both in you know, one color. You know, color which is. Why do you, we talked about synthetic urine and, and the reasons for it to be made? Why would yeah. you make synthetic sweat? Uh, so synthetic sweat, and that's that's the part of the clocking off show. Uh, synthetic sweat is used in a factories or in the places where they test how human toxicity would make a mark on the garment or on the watch or something. So you basically use it just to check how, for example, it would go into your armpits or if the watch would discolor and stuff like that. So there's a mixture of this kind of, you know, there's ammonia in it, there is urea in it, there is some kind of sodium kind of elements and the kind of human hormones that basically react on the fabric so wow. so it's basically what synthetic thing is this synthetic saliva and synthetic well i mean like i mean like there's something actually which i'm working on at the moment <laughs> but and it's available everywhere it's synthetic milk and i'm working i'm working on the show i'm working which is which is formula that's a synthetic milk you know what you're mm. giving to the children so mm. so uh, we work i'm working on a public commission not public commission sorry i'm working on a, a sculptural commission for kunsthalle vienna for the show in november and i'm gonna have sculptures that are frozen synthetic milk that kind of slowly going into through the works and uh yeah the show is all about you know the, the breasts the nipples and a uh and we looking at the kind of idea of the kind of the queer parenting and how the things are kind of changing and shifting and uh, anyways mm, wow. but that's but that's but that's a new body of work so uh you know let's not speak about it yeah yet. no what a place to show how exciting really yeah, yeah the work sounds delicious yeah what is the best advice <laughs> that you've ever ever received when it comes to your art your work i'm gonna blank on that blank Actually, I've got it. <laughs> and this yeah. is this is so complete. It shouldn't be said on the, on the talk show like this. But that was that was the, that that was the legend that is Lucy Gunning, who was my a uh, teacher at my BA, and she told me after I did the presentation of the work, she said to me like, "Just don't talk too much." <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the talk right episode no, she, that's she, the advice you've yeah, received she, 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 well I disagree yeah. I disagree I mean, with like, that because know. I think you're very yeah, articulate yeah. she was like shh yeah, she, she was just, like, just, maybe, you know, just, just let the work yeah, do yeah, it yeah. No, yeah. No, that was funny I disagree so, I disagree with her completely yeah. I think you've been incredible on this mm. episode um, cheers thank you so, so Freeze is coming up uh, are you sh- you showing anything? Is Jonathan showing anything? Do you have plans for freeze? Um, so uh, I mean, like you know, the queer circle is open, so I think that's that's the, my main kind it's of free. you know, it's, yep. it's it's free, and so basically, I've you know, I've got kind of people plan to come and sh- show around my show, you know, and I mm. I think that's the thing, and and John, yeah, John just had a uh, opening in Yorkshire Sculpture Park, then in Charleston New Space, so uh, yeah, I think we're both kind of having this post show kind of slump at the moment now, you know. What does so that it's, feel like? What does it feel like? It just feels, you know, it's like it's like having a kind of calm down from a big party, you know? It's just like you're running out of this kind of steam and happy happy feeling store and then you you start picking and nitpicking everything and you kind of start hating everything and, you know, but it takes like a week or so to get out of it, you know? So you need mm. to you need to be kind on yourself, yeah. Mm. Well, luckily your show runs until the 26th of November, so there's still time for you to Where is Queer Circle located, around. Rob? 
North Greenwich. North Greenwich. And then, is the closest tube, and you can also get buses there, and it's very easily and accessible. Parking. You've also it's released your first, uh, well, you're going to release your first edition that's going to be part of, um, mm-hmm. with Queer Circle, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be part of the Freeze Art Fair in the mm-hmm. editions mm-hmm. Uh, section. Mm-hmm. What is this edition? Let's talk about that quickly before we. Okay, so, edition is called a The Hours Have Lost Their Clock, and it's being kind of a title after a book by Grafton Tanner about nostalgia and uh, uh, so basically addition is it is 12 pieces they are those little miniature figurines of the Sisyphus that you see in a space and each of them got a different number of the hour on this chest so it goes from one to 12 and they are in a bronze matte ceramic with a copper patina plate on their color. chest with my favorite color on the on the chest yes well, so. everyone trying that's going to support queer circle so everybody uh if you mm. uh are there pick one of these up um, what, what's the edition size size you mean like size yeah, how many oh it's 12 12, 12 then 12, oh, 12, 12 and yeah. two aps yeah. or something yeah. isn't it yeah yeah that's the one yeah no they're beautiful i love them um well, thank you. This has just been yeah, wonderful. I've really, really we enjoyed love it. You. We love thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having yes. me. And um, I think everybody listening is going to fall in love with you and go and check out your show. Cool. And you're on Instagram, aren't you? And you've got your own amazingly detailed website, which I adore. Mm, thank you. Um, which is just your name with a hyphen in the middle. So rafalzyko.com. That is R-A-F-A-L-Z-A-J-K-O. Well, thank you. Everybody listening, we'll be posting pictures. Yeah, thank you of all the work we've been discussing today and yes please everybody get down to freeze and enjoy that and get down to queer circle and uh embrace that and love everyone um <laughs> very soon thanks Big for love. listening bye, thank, you, thank you bye, bye. thank you You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com